It was alluded to me that the reason why I got raped was because I was sexually impure. You're kidding. And it was before the Me Too movement. So it's like the education wasn't there. The still hush-hush behavior was still very much so in everybody's culture, especially in the church. They knew, I would say maybe a month after it happened. everyone. Welcome back to the Girl We Grow Now podcast. I am your host, Victoria, and I'm so excited to have you all here with me for this episode. So if you haven't noticed, this is the third back-to-back interview episode. I am going to start alternating between my solo episodes with these interview episodes. So if there is a specific topic or guest that you want me to cover, please DM me or leave me a review letting me know and I will do what I can to try and make that happen. All right, so I'm interviewing Maya. So Maya and I met back in college when we both joined a campus ministry and just that whole experience we had in that campus ministry was pretty wild. It was basically a cult and Maya was in it a lot longer than I was. So she's gonna share her story with us today. And when I tell you her story is powerful, it is so powerful. And just the way that she over came her trauma and the things that happened to her is even more powerful. So I truly believe that the story is going to help someone who is either in some kind of cult or a toxic situation or a controlling relationship, anything like that, you will probably resonate with the story and it's going to help you. And I just am so grateful that she came on and was vulnerable and shared her heart and her life with us because this is a really good one. But I do want to give a disclaimer that these episodes There's a part one and a part two, but both of these episodes were recorded before it came out that lawsuits were filed against this cult. So that is why there is no mention of them because they hadn't yet happened at the time when we recorded these episodes. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and get into Maya's story. So I want to talk to you because obviously we met through the campus ministry in San Antonio when we were Mm -hmm. both in college. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about that and see like your experience because I know Mm -hmm. my experience was a little bit rough. So yeah, I want to get more insight on yours. So how did you hear about the campus ministry to start off with? So basically I was in class watching YouTube videos and somebody that was a part of the campus ministry, she sat next to me and we were talking and she was like, oh, you're the girl that watched YouTube videos in class. And I was like, that's me. <laughs> that's funny. That's your girl. I basically asked her for her number. And then after that, she like introduced me to the Bible talk. And then I started going to that Bible talk. And then ironically, the guy I was dating at the time, he had been introduced to the campus ministry like a year before or something like that, but he stopped. So I guess I got him back into it too. Bad decision, but you know. Oh, <laughs> I can relate. So mm-hmm. when you started going to the Bible talk, did they- they just like, do they ask you if you wanted to study the Bible or was it kind of one time you're hanging out, they just open the Bible and like you're studying? How did that go? Oh, so I think they asked me about, obviously, you never really know what they're talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, we're just going to sit down and talk about the Bible. Cool. Great. I can do that. And then we like met um, in the JPL. And then like it was. Remind me. So the JPL was familiar. Was that the, li- this library? the food court? Oh. Right before the library. Yeah. Okay. So we met on like the bottom part 
where like the Starbucks and stuff was at. We were sitting there and we were talking about stuff, but then I was trying to like input and they're like, oh no, like we're teaching you. And I was like, mm, <laughs> teaching me what? You know, like, what are you talking about? But that was, that was back in, that was my freshman year. And then I stopped talking to them after that because I thought it was weird, to be honest. Oh, that is so interesting. So the way that I found out about the campus ministry, I was dating someone my freshman year. I was also a freshman. Oh, what? Well, that's how they get you. I know when you're vulnerable, you're in a new place. You don't know mm-hmm. anyone. You're just, you know, trying to live your mm-hmm. life and getting yep. that new taste of freedom. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I was dating someone and then he went to community college and I guess he met a guy that went, that was in the ministry at his mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. and he invited me. It was like a volleyball barbecue thing. Mm-hmm. So I went, I met some girls and they're like, oh, do you want to hang out? I was like, oh yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I kid you not. We go to hang out and it, I think it might've been a Starbucks or somewhere and they just start opening the Bible <laughs> and reading the and reading me scriptures. I was like, wait a minute. This is People like, ambush. I know the weirdest mm-hmm. hangout I had ever had as a freshman in college. Mm-hmm. Those were not the kind of hangouts you were getting invited to. Yeah, no, definitely not sitting with strangers talking to the Bible. Right, talking without, to without being asked yeah. anything about if I even wanted to talk about the Bible. Mm-hmm. But I hung out with him for a little bit and then I also eventually stopped going, but mm-hmm. ended up going back. So tell me when you stopped, like what caused you to go back? Well, just to be a little vulnerable. So I, I had broke up with that same guy that March and then that's when I would like really wild out. I was doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff and then I went to a frat party and I got drunk for the first time and I was assaulted at that party and I was the kind of girl that like never really did stuff like that. I mean it was my first time ever getting drunk so I was like oh hell no you know because at that point like I was I was really like a good kid you know but then you go to college like you said you wild out for a little bit but like I was always a very logical person and so the first time that I get drunk I get essayed and I was like okay well maybe this is not for me you know and then literally the day after that I went to church and my ex at the time he was studying the bible and he was like well you need to come back like I told him what happened he was like you need to come back to the church like these people really care about you they love you and then I did but you know unbeknownst to me your girl was struggling with PTSD and Mm. didn't know what to do and just was scared young and scared and thought that church was going to be my safe haven and it quickly became not that so wow well I know this was a long time ago but I'm so sorry that happened to you because that is traumatizing and I do feel like that's when they get you when you're vulnerable Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what makes you go back because you are seeking something and I didn't have that situation but the guy I was dating who brought me there we broke up Mm -hmm. and but really when I kind of started studying the Bible the first time they wanted us to break up you know how that Mm -hmm. is where this relationship is bad for you Mm -hmm. and a lot of control there Mm -hmm. we broke up and then I wilded out a bit and then I think I just got to a point where I was so tired of it and Mm -hmm. like felt that emptiness that I was like okay well let me go back and let me try Mm -hmm. to connect you know with God and Mm -hmm. that's how I got back into it so it's like that same similar feeling vulnerable looking Mm -hmm. searching for something right Um, yeah I just really feel like that's how they get you yeah and then on top of that it's like nobody's looking for a church group so it's not like I'm shopping around trying to find a church group it's just like oh I remembered them Mm -hmm. let me go back to them you know like it's not like I was like oh yeah they just seem so different and no (laughs) they were a church group and I went you know exactly (laughs) it's kind of like they planted that seed and that's what you remembered when you were in that vulnerable space I mean that's what you're trained to do when you're in the church anyway so very true very very Mm -hmm. good point Mm -hmm. so when you first got really involved with the campus ministry did anyone in your family 
family or friend group question to see if you were in a cult? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Same. Really, girl? Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's like, who wants to be in a cult? You know what I'm saying? And then who talks about cults? And when they do talk about cults, they talk about them like they're handsmaid tale type, mm-hmm. type shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you don't think that a cult would look like a church, but it most definitely did, especially with young people. You yeah. don't think young people are doing it. So it's like, no, it's not a cult. Like these people are nice to me. Like that's where the love, love bombing happens and starts. And then, yeah. <laughs> All of yeah. that. So who questioned you? Was it your friends or your family? My, it was my, my family. I didn't really talk to a lot of people. Well, no, I think my friends were just like, because they had, they knew what happened. So they're like, oh, it makes sense that she's going to be really into mm-hmm. church now. So Got they didn't it. really think anything into it, but my family definitely did. Did they get into why they were questioning if it was a cult? Uh, I think because I changed so much and I was very afraid to sin, you know, so it made other mm-hmm. people uncomfortable to be around me basically because I was so strict on like what I did and didn't do and really critical of other people that called themselves Christians and just stuff like that. So it was like, I felt like I hadn't just known so much more than a lot of people and it definitely came off in the way that I acted. Even if it wasn't intentional, it was very much so like, oh no, I don't watch that, you know, or oh no, I don't talk about that or I don't do that anymore. And it's like, okay, Ian, you know, like you don't have to do it. <laughs> but you don't have to tell other people that, you know? Right. So, mm-hmm. so I started going there in San Antonio campus ministry, but my mm-hmm. family lived in Houston. So mm-hmm. on breaks and stuff, I'd be in Houston and I connected mm-hmm. with the Houston church. So mm-hmm. my parents were the ones who questioned me because mm-hmm. I was at every event, like every Friday, I had to be at the mm-hmm. devotional, had mm-hmm. to be at the Bible talk during mm-hmm. the week. I had to be on the Wednesday service. I had to be mm-hmm. at the Sunday service. And they mm-hmm. were just like, wow, like you're spending a lot of time with these people. Like, why can't you admit? Like they didn't understand the need to always be at everything mm-hmm. and they're like are you sure you're not in a cult because that's just mm-hmm. weird yeah you yeah. have to be at everything that shouldn't be your whole life mm-hmm. basically yeah so that's why they started questioning me mm-hmm. and to go back to what you said about you know you, you wouldn't really see this as a cult mm-hmm. but i don't know if you watched the hbo series about nexus or nexium or something like that no i've that heard cult. i've tried to steer away from anything that has to do with church cults oh but, okay got it yeah okay, so i'm just gonna tell you this tidbit but it's not gonna like say too much mm-hmm. but one of the people was saying like you know it starts really slowly like it's yeah. small little changes and then mm-hmm. you don't really realize it's happening and mm-hmm. then over time you're this whole different person this mm-hmm. you know these other people have kind of some kind of control over you mm-hmm. and then maybe hopefully you wake up then and you realize but it's such subtle small changes step by mm-hmm. step you just don't notice yeah. as you're mm-hmm. getting into it so I think that's mm-hmm. what happened to like a lot of us mm-hmm. and-, and I think also with the way in which they go about like who they who they recruit like you know young people who are stressed out a lot of times you don't necessarily know what to look out for you know and so they use really they use young people who are really impressionable but then to add on the stress of oh well I really like this guy I want to date him so I mean a church can't be bad or it's like oh I got you know assaulted maybe this could be a good place where I can go and like oh they're you know x y and z or whatever it is and the way it is when you're so young it's hard it's so easy to be influenced by any and everything, including bad stuff too, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. if you're thinking, like you were saying, like you were seeking after something and it just happened to be a church, they're not going to outright just be like, hey, we're a cult. But eventually they're going to be your only friends that you hang out with because you're constantly going to their events. And then you get involved by learning the things and you hear the preachings. And it's like, literally you're getting indoctrinated and you don't even realize it because of how we're just used to going to church. You know, like it, it's very masked as like a church event and 
it's really not. It's indoctrination for sure. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this happened to you, but did they kind of persuade you to cut off your friends because they're living a whole different life? I know that's how it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I know they did that with friendships. They did that with dating. Going to visit family Mm -hmm. or whatever it was. Because I was like five hours away from family. So it's like, oh, do I choose to go travel and go see my parents or do I stay and like go to this retreat? You know? Wow. Because you can't miss anything, basically. No, you can't. Because you can't get in the habit of, you know, doing things. You know what I'm saying? Or you don't (laughs) love God. Like, that's the only reason why you're missing something. And I also think when it comes to colds, like, I always thought of something so drastic. Like, they're trying to make you drink rat poison. Like, who would Mm -hmm. do that? You must be stupid. Mm -hmm. But truly, I think there are different kinds of colds and probably Mm -hmm. different levels. And Mm -hmm. as you said, they all look so different. And I think Mm -hmm. it's those ones that don't outwardly, even, I don't know if any of them outwardly look like a cold these days, but those are the ones that are the most scary and maybe yeah. even the most traumatizing. Yeah, I will say that was, they're probably like the modern day cult. Like yeah. they use social media, they use podcasts, they use all the things that young people are young and hip with. So they mask a lot of it with doing the right thing, you know, but what is right? Exactly. It's, it's like relative to anybody. Like anybody can say this is right. But if you engulf yourself in that culture, you know, a lot of things can turn left real quick. <laughs> and exactly. you don't even know it. Yeah. And they just package it as religion and it's like, oh, well, you know, this is this is what God says, this is what the Bible says, and mm-hmm. not the case. I feel like there's right. a lot of twisting that went along with that. And like we said, a mm-hmm. lot of control with who you date, what you mm-hmm. wear. I was always being scolded for wearing workout clothes. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Or my chichis. My titties was just so distracting to everybody, girl. I'm I like, know. listen, I have about 3.5 inches of chest. Like, you're going to see like something. You know what I'm saying? Like, le- leave me alone. Right. I used to get so annoyed because my like smaller, skinnier friends, they would say mm-hmm. nothing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Listen, her shorts are shorter, her pants are tighter. So mm-hmm. if she's wearing workout pants, I'm wearing workout pants. In that case, I was a little rebellious, but mm-hmm. you know, everything else was with the control of the friends, the dating. <laughs> they had me there, but the dressing the music I was, listen to. Oh my gosh. No girl. cursing in music, all of it. Oh, flashbacks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I know. So how long were you in the church? Six years. The last year I was completely like leaving Got by it. then. Mm-hmm. So like five strong years in the last year you're kind of you started to wake up basically I would say five-ish struggling ass trying to really force myself there years and then one year of like mm, and then the last one I was like man fuck y'all Mm-mm. got it so tell me about your love story because I know you married someone in the church Ugh. and you had a family with him so tell me about that so I remember the guy your ex you came <laughs> with he was very different than the guy that you married so okay. I'm not trying to laugh but he was really different so kind of <laughs> just tell me like what attracted you to him like how that whole love story happens. I, I got to be a little careful with how I say it because I don't want Tyler to listen to it in the future and be like, dang, mama. Like, yeah, okay. But I will say that I was looking for the complete opposite of anything I ever liked. So it didn't hurt me. And ding, ding, ding. It happened to be my ex. Wow. So it happened that summer. And then I met him maybe six months later. Um, Wait, so what happened that summer? Like, oh, the assault. Yeah. Okay. And then I got baptized in September. And I think I met him him at my baptism, my initiation. I don't even want to call it like spiritual Ooh, things because I feel like yes, it's not. I like that. But my initiation into the cult is when he was there. It was at his house. So I met him there and then I think he had a... Uh, Sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but you just gave me like a whole like epiphany, I guess. <laughs> I don't know like how if you were baptized previously, but I know mm-hmm. I had a friend who studied the Bible and like she mm-hmm. had been previously baptized and she was mm-hmm. saying, I don't need to be baptized again. Like I already have been. Like I knew mm-hmm. what I was doing like it was my decision mm-hmm. I think 
she was in ninth grade of high school when she got baptized. But they were mm-hmm. like, no, you have to be baptized by us. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, you saying the initiation now mm-hmm. just makes so much sense because like, why mm-hmm. do you have to baptize her if she's already been baptized? You exactly. Because so. it wasn't the right one. No, it's because you have to be initiated into the church. Like that's... Wow. Yeah. Mind blown right now. Okay. <laughs> Carry on. But yeah, I met him there. And then I just remember, this sounds so sad, but this is for future Maya to listen to and uh, mm-hmm. for anybody else who possibly is thinking about doing what I'm doing, don't do it. Okay. So I was sitting in a Bible talk. I just remember looking at him and being like, hmm, he's different. And then being like, oh, he's not, he's not ugly. Mm-hmm. I could do something with that. Literally. Wow. Literally. And then it was like this chase of getting him to like me, but it wasn't necessarily that. I felt like, because I, if I bring myself back into that, I think I truly did believe that I liked him. But at the same time, I think that a lot of other things was fueling that, like not wanting to be alone, mm-hmm. wanting to be safe, wanting to see something new. Like he was the first person I had ever dated outside of my race. So that's a factor, like literally complete opposite to the guy that assaulted me, but also completely opposite to anybody I had ever been attracted to in my life. Like I like chocolate, black, yes, girl. black, I can relate. black, black <laughs> men, you know? So the fact he was like the complete opposite kind of person, I guess he was more of like a fixer upper. And if I could mold him, then he could be exactly what I wanted. But that's what like stupid Maya thought, you know, but not necessarily stupid, but also like- You were so hurt. Like, Yeah, I was also traumatized. Coming from a place of hurt, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so we started dating, I think like six months after that. Little did I know, I was like the new fresh meat, you know? Oh, uh, Lord. So I guess people were like, felt some type of way that he was trying to date me because I was like newly uh, initiated and they felt like I needed to be with God first before I was with him. And I was like, okay. I had the same story. That's so crazy. I'll just, I meant to marry him, but the same thing. Mm-hmm. Guy mm-hmm. dated. They're like, oh no, you don't need to ask her out yet. She's too new. Yeah. Yeah. She's too new. She, she's still wet. That's what they would say. Yes. You're not fully engulfed yet, you know? And, and wait a minute. So sorry to interrupt, yeah, but the whole dating part. So was it the whole you had to tell your disciple or your mentor or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. that you liked him and then he had yes. to tell his and they had to come together like we're kids that mm-hmm. I hated girl and you know who I was discipled by I don't know if you know but I was discipled by or mentored by the the campus leader the lady campus leader at the time and because they swore up and down that I was going to be a leader and stuff like that but they oh learned very quickly what was her name Amanda I didn't say no names because I didn't I didn't know if you weren't saying names but I don't mind I'm saying trying not girl. to but I I mean, who I don't really care. It was Amanda. <gasps> oh my gosh. Wait, I used to live with her twin sister, by the way, in Houston. Oh, you did? Oh, she's nice. She actually <laughs> married to my friend's brother. And they have a oh, baby. Okay. Um, well, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, they're all connected because they all yeah. went to the church and your dating yeah. pool is so tiny. So I'm yes. okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, is that like at that point, it's like they fully convince you that dating outside of the church is probably one of the most sinful things that you can do. Mm-hmm. So then, like, you know, the the weird like animal anime loving kid like starts to look low-key kind of cute you know what I'm saying like because that's how you got your options are slim and you're black okay well let me go back okay so then we dated dated for two years we didn't kiss we didn't go on our first single date until a year in (laughs) um but six months in uh, we we did like arts and crafts dates girl girl (laughs) (laughs) sorry for like six months straight (laughs) girl I mean one time we made some crowns out of headbands and construction paper and glue. And like, that was one of the dates. And I was wow. like, is this really for me? <laughs> like, is this for okay. me? That's but- next level childish. Not gonna lie. 
girl, that's class next level. Like that's at that point, like what is you what is y'all doing? Like you can't even be creative. Like we can't go to like get some food or something. Like, come on. Can like, go rock climbing. I did indoor rock climbing on a date. Now that was fun. That's um, I mean, listen, I remember one time, girl, on one of the dates. Oh, they have encouragement dates. Oh. you know, so we don't feel tempted to date outside of the the church, you know. Yeah, and, and for um, everyone who doesn't know, I guess you can mm-hmm. explain more what that is. So the encouragement date is basically where the male people of the the ministry that you in. So we were in the campus ministry. So the males in the ministry would practice basically encouraging us by taking us on encouragement dates, you know, so that we didn't feel not loved from the men or tempted outside of the church. So we would get male attention or female attention from each other. Basically, yeah. that, that was it. And everyone was encouraged to go on dates with everybody. It didn't matter if that boy was lame or if he was mm-hmm. dirty or, you know, <laughs> his breast thing, you know, because at that point you were you weren't encouraging your brother. So, yep. yeah, so we did those. And the last encouragement date I went on before me and my ex started dating, they made French toast. Oh, and, I'm sorry. Girl, and the French toast was raw in the middle. And I'm oh. sorry. One, you made French toast because that was my favorite meal. But why are we eating this at 8 p.m. at night? Oh and two, gosh. if you're going to make some French toast, you know, like sometimes like you cook something too fast, so, like the outside's burn, the inside is like raw. <laughs> yeah. And that happened. And I was like, hey, bro, like these are raw. And somebody was like, oh, that's not nice. Like, okay, I'm not going to eat this salmonella. <laughs> Y'all can eat it, but I'm not the kind of person that will eat food I don't like. I will throw Me up. Neither. So that is... I'm going to tell you it's raw or, you know, I'm going to, you know, skip around my plate. That but... is so funny. So basically they made you French toast and they invited you to their place, right? It's usually like house yes. dates. And yes. mm-hmm. I don't know if this happened to you, but they were like, oh, we're going to be at the house. Let me put my mm-hmm. sweats on, my hair up. And they're like, no, sister, you, nice. you need to look cute. I was like, for what? Yeah. We're going to be at the what? house. I don't even like this brother. Like, right. Like, oh yeah, they called each other brothers and sisters in Christ, by the way, for people yeah. who know or don't know. Yeah, we call each other brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, the brothers just had to take the sisters on dates and I can't think of one that I enjoyed. Oh my so. gosh, Maya. So yeah. after dates, did you have to get like an encouragement gift to the brothers? Yeah, I did. And they oh. had the audacity to be ungrateful sometimes. And I was yes. like, bro, first off, the amount of money I spent on this encouragement date, on this gift was two times more you spent on this date. So right? you better be happy with this card and some chocolate and call it a date. I dated. I, my boyfriend. So he took me on a date, but then I went back home to Florida mm-hmm. for a holiday and mm-hmm. I didn't end his gift before I left. I waited until I got back and he was mad that I took so long. And he's like, at this point, like, I don't even want it. And he was so mad that I what? took this is encouragement day. And the thing that bothered me is like, you guys are setting up these brothers who expect something in return from our date. What yes. difference is that from dating in the quote unquote world, as they call it? Exactly. So it's the exact freaking same thing. Yep. That's what I hated. And then on top of that, it's like, why, why do I owe you anything for encouraging right. me? At that point, like, this is not encouragement. This is like a transactional thing. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do what you expect me to do afterwards, then you get upset. I have a little tantrum. Mm-hmm. Okay, you want to throw your little tantrum? Go ahead, brother. You ugly anyway. But you right. know, crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. It was, mm-hmm. it was it was a very interesting dynamic because let people not be taking each other out on dates. You guaranteed to have a sermon about that at Devo. You know, or like why you're not doing it, or oh sisters, like you have to make sure when you go on dates, like you're not wearing revealing things because brothers are going off and watching porn after they leave. They don't say that, but they're gonna do it anyway. It does not matter it. what we wear. Yeah, it does not PSA. matter. Listen, they're gonna do I, it anyway. I remember one time I tried talking to you and girl, you finna laugh, girl, you finna laugh. 
laugh. So I remember one time I was talking to Amanda and I told her, I was like, listen, like I remember that basically I was telling Amanda that I didn't like when the brothers wore like gym shorts or like sweatpants because, you know, I could see their imprint. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, like it's just it's just sweatpants. Like, you know, like what what are they going to wear? You know? And I was like, Uh like, I feel like you if I can't wear leggings, if I have to wear leggings under my shorts, if I have to wear turtlenecks and if I can't can't wear spaghetti straps because my titties too big, if I can't wear a shirt that's my size, then this brother can at least put on some boxer briefs so that his thing ain't just jumping up and down, you know, anytime I see him. You know what I'm saying? Right. But at that point, like I knew, oh, it wasn't about the brothers. Y'all don't care about the sisters at all. Y'all only care about worried about what it's supposed to wear and you gave way too much leeway to these guys. But yeah, mm-hmm. I remember I had the conversation with her and I was like, she was like, girl, it's just basketball shorts. And then what does Twitter say or Instagram say as soon as we start getting cold outside? It's gray sweatpants. Mm-hmm. We like that for a reason. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> it's so crazy the double stand. I mean, yeah, it's like the olden days. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, women can't have sexual desires. Like, and if we do, like we can, we're expected to control them. But let her brother have a sexual desire, then you got to tell us what to do. You got to tell us what to wear. You have to tell right. us how to, Okay. And I got to a point and I was like, they better learn how to bounce their eyes because I'm not mm-hmm. doing all this. Listen, if I got titties, <laughs> right? I got booty and I'm pretty. I, I can't control being pretty. Like, mm-hmm. I really can't. That's that is that's all we can do, friend. Like, you're going to be all right. Right. They have to have some kind of strength. But it was just crazy that their purity mm-hmm. was placed in our hands. Yeah. Like, and it was up have, to us to keep them pure. Yeah. And that was definitely upheld. That I remember one time I was singing and a sister, like, pulled me aside and was like, I'm sorry, but your dress is too tight. And I was like, I'm sorry, but why weren't you worshiping the Lord? Why was you worried about and why was you worried about what I had on? Like I know for sure it was not anything crazy. So right. I was like, oh, you mad because your husband was looking at me? Like I can't do anything about crazy. that. Can't do nothing about that, sis. Right, it's still so crazy. Yep. So we dated for two years, got engaged like right before our two-year anniversary, and then got married three and a half months later. Wait, so you guys are pure the whole time? Yep. We well, I commend did. you, girl. Mm-hmm, girl, not the case for me. It was easy. It was easy for me because. Oh. He wasn't nobody that I was checking for like that. Now I know, you know. Oh, wow. That makes sense. Now I know. But like, honestly, like looking back at it, I'm like, girl, you didn't want intimacy. Like you just wanted a companion. You wanted a male friend or you wanted like that safety. Safe. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. But like we, I was cool holding hands. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was all I got. I mean, hey. So you had no <laughs> desire to kiss him or anything? Out of curiosity. Yeah. But I think I honestly, if I'm if I'm being the most honest, I feel like if we were to ever have kissed or done anything, I would have broke up with him a long time ago. Wow. Like, I would not have dated him for that long. Because I just, I wasn't there. I didn't, I didn't find that out until, I mean, on our wedding night. <laughs> Which is dramatic in and of itself, but. Wow. So, yeah. did you guys ever hang out alone when you dated? Because I know that's like a big stigma against hanging out alone. The the most we hung out alone was driving in the car. I think that is wild to expect yeah. someone to spend the rest of their life with someone that they've never been alone with. Yeah. Like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, we hung out a little bit during our engagement, but at that point, like the flowers and like the wedding dress was bought. So if anything did happen, like you think I'm going to cancel my whole wedding? Like what? You know and, what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. that's a lot of pressure. So when you got engaged, what did your family think? And were they for it? I don't even know. To be honest, <laughs> I don't really know what they thought. They were supportive. Mm, that's good. You know? But you were just like, I'm getting married. It's what's happening. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, uh, he was nice. He was nice. I remember him. He was nice. But 
you know, you guys are very different. Yeah. yeah. So I know you said your wedding night was traumatizing. Is that something you want to elaborate on or? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I cried after our first night together. I, like after we had sex, I cried. I cried throughout the whole honeymoon and I just didn't know why. Mm. But I think it was because at that point, I knew at that point I fucked up. So like rewind a little bit, like six months in when we were doing all the arts and crafts dates, I was getting a lot of advice from people because I was like, listen, I don't know if I'm about this life. Like, I don't know if I like him. I don't know what it is, you know? And they basically convinced me that I did. And I was like, okay, well, they're like, well, just talk to him. And maybe if he stops doing the arts and crafts dates, then like he's listening and y'all can work on it, you know? And so wow. he did. Yeah. So he did. And I was like, okay, well, and mind you, I'm also a very nice person. Like, I don't want to break somebody's heart. Like, I don't want to, I don't know. Like, I don't want to break up with somebody because I felt bad, you know? But at mm-hmm. that point, you were just, you're in it. I'm a year in and you're in the campus ministry. Mind you, you have no time to think about anything but that church. What, whether it was special contribution, whether it was studying the Bible with people, whether it was, sh- it was sharing your faith, quote unquote, going to retreats, going to Devo, going to church on Sunday. I was also a worship leader. You don't have time Ooh, to really wow. think about. You were in it. Girl, I was in everything you could think of. I was a Bible talk leader. I was everything. And so to think for a second that do I actually like this person also meant that I would have to think about how I actually felt. And mind you, I had gotten raped maybe six months or maybe a year prior and never even thought about it. Mind you, also, I like to say this little key detail for people who are listening. During the Bible studies, they also talk about, you know, your sexual sin, your sexual past and stuff. And it was alluded to me that the reason why I got raped was because I was sexually impure. You're kidding. So, You're, you yeah. have to be kidding. No, girl. And who did your studies? Who did your studies? The leader? It was um, Amanda and mm. Priscilla. Oh, that's crazy to even open yeah. your mouth and say that to someone that's wild yeah and it was before the me too movement so it's like you know the education wasn't there the still hush hush behavior was still very much so in everybody's culture especially in the church and they had known they knew maybe or i would say maybe a month after it happened no one ever encouraged me to go to therapy no one ever encouraged me to um press charges no one ever encouraged me to go to the doctor nothing like that it was well yeah you're sinful but you know everything's going to change once you get baptized and you become a disciple that that, that's basically what the studies were. Wow. Um, I was going to ask you if you ever ended up getting therapy for that during that time. No, because... no, I didn't. But the, the, the church was therapy. The mm-hmm. church was the fix, the initiation or the baptism. That was the end all be all. That was the main focus for them was me becoming a part of their fellowship. And mind you also, Amanda was what, two years older than me? She couldn't have been more than 22. Oh, how old was she? 21. I was um, 19 or 20. I might have just turned 20. We were young. We were kids. Yeah. And I don't even know what kind of experiences they had outside of that too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that plays a factor. If you haven't experienced anything, how are you going to mm-hmm. help someone who has experienced life with anything? Yeah. But yes, I'm looking at the pictures of like our first kiss. It was very awkward. And I don't know. It was just, I just wish I had believed in myself just a little bit. Because I think I would have given myself a lot more grace to just make decisions that were best for me. But when you're in a traumatized state along with so many people who feel like they know what's best for you, it's hard to make decisions for yourself because there are like real consequences. Like people think, oh, you're in a cult. Why didn't you just leave? It's like, well, all my friends are here. Yes. 
all the oh time I've spent is here. Um, they've convinced me I was going to go to hell. So I don't want to go to hell. And I know nothing else like other than this. So like leaving, you're literally sacrificing your entire social group, your entire life. And you're going to have to pick up where you left off. Not only that, they also pressure you to like not be really involved in school. Because if you're too involved in school, then you're not focused on the body and the fellowship. And, mm-hmm. you know, your grades start to slip because you're going to Devo more than you're going to the library. And you're trying to focus on, you know, be, everybody wants to be an evangelist or, or you know, an evangelist wife eventually. Because that's really how you get the most popular in the church is by being in leadership. So it's like you get really engulfed. And that's just with anything. That's with any society. That's with any kind of social group. Like eventually the culture of that group becomes your life. And when that becomes your life, like that's why you see the nerdy kids hang out with the nerdy kids or you see the people who are super into basketball hang out with basketball people or whatever it is. Our group at the time happened to be them, you know, and to leave that meant that you had to literally change your entire life. And to do that as a 20, 21, 22 year old, you know what I'm saying? When you're like still in college and trying to have fun, like you, that's a huge decision for you to make when your frontal lobe isn't even fully developed yet. Yeah. So, and I'm so glad you brought that up yeah. because I I felt the same way. So before I came, mm-hmm. I had all these friends that I had made in college. I literally stopped hanging out with all of them because, you know, they were living mm-hmm. the sinful life. I was trying not to do that anymore. Yeah. So yeah, when you're yeah. engulfed in this group and then you're thinking about leaving, just the thought of knowing that if you leave, that none of them can talk to you because that is one of the rules mm-hmm. is really yep. scary because you do feel alone. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. And then you actually do that. care about them. Like the people mm-hmm. who actually did have genuine relationships, these are actually my friends. They well, didn't do did they to talk me. to you after you left? Were they really your friends? But we can talk so, about that later. But yeah. Oh, girl. Let's not. Yeah, let's talk about that later because that's going to come later. But <laughs> see, I felt the same way. And then I feel like when I left, I found out who my real friends were. But yeah, we will mm-hmm. save that. But I did want to rewind to where you said that you got lots of advice in that six months that he was doing arts and craft dates. So mm-hmm. you wanted to break up with him, but they were basically trying to get you to work it out is what it sounded like. Yeah, I, I had no reason, quote unquote, to really break up with him. He was nice. Um, we didn't argue. We weren't impure. He was my friend. I had an emotional connection to him. So they're like logically on paper. It didn't really make any sense for me to not do it because like one, who else was I on a date? And two, he didn't necessarily do anything wrong for me to be like, I don't like him. Right. You know? Wow. wow. I guess it's the parallels in the story for mm-hmm. me that it's just like, wow, this is literally what they do. So my dating story was a little bit different. We were not as, you know, pure as you guys. So mm-hmm. we were impure. We didn't have sex. Mm-hmm. So we were impure. So they made us break up that whole thing. You know how impurity in the church is. It's like yeah. the worst sin. Beat you mm-hmm. over the head with the Bible. You are like a sinner. So yeah. we broke up and then we were like broken up for a while. We did our own thing. We focused on God. And then I guess he like he wanted to date me again. I was unsure because I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I, I felt like I liked him then. But now that I found all this time away from him, I just don't know. And mm-hmm. so he asked me out again, even though my best friend like advised him not to ask me out yet. He asked me out. We were dating. And then I got to a point where I felt so suffocated by him. Mm-hmm. I wanted to break up with him. And then mm-hmm. so my mentor, I will say, or discipler at the time was the leader of the singles ministry. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I was like, oh, I, I just can't. Like I have to break up with him. And she convinced me to stay with him. She's like, no, just yeah. think about it. He's so insecure. He's afraid of losing you because you guys broke up. Like, don't do it. Just give him this other chance. And so I did mm-hmm. that. But it's like deep down inside, I know I don't want to be with him because mm-hmm. like, I mean, I was attracted to him, but it was like the personality clashes that we had. I just knew mm-hmm. it wasn't going to work out for us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's just crazy how they basically were telling us what's best for us instead of listening to how right. we actually felt. Right. And then on top of that, it kind of goes into like, they don't necessarily care 
about the women in their fellowship. Like, mm. I really feel like they are advocates for men in every way possible, like marriage, parenting, leadership, singing. Like, I can't tell you how many men got up there and saying that couldn't hold a tune. <laughs> not one bit. You know what I'm saying? And everyone's like, good job, brother. Let a sister go up there and drop a note. And they're like, sis, let me pull you to the side until you can't sing. So yeah. wow. I really feel like the patriarchy was personified to the 10th power in that church. And honestly, this is just an observation that I had because you know, and I know there were a lot of social rejects that became, yes, they became somebody's and they got a lot of power from getting control. And Mm -hmm. there was a game that was being played. And I feel like a lot of the people that were in leadership were lame. I mean, I'm just going to be real. hundred percent. You know, they were lame and that's where they got their power. And it wasn't from natural, like God given gifts of leadership. I feel like anybody that had a God given gift of anything was gaslit. You know, whether you were a really good singer, if you were too good, a little bit too soulful, a little bit too good, they didn't pick you to sing a song. And trust me, I know because one of my best friends, Danielle, she, oh my God, she's amazing. Yes. Like she could out sing anybody in San Antonio church, but they barely picked her for anything. I think it was out of envy and jealousy or the pretty girls always got talked about. We were always told that we were wearing this or we were wearing that, or it was too much this or too much that, or the women who didn't really get as much attention definitely felt some type of way about the girls who did. It was, it was Mm -hmm. a lot. So yeah, it was just a lot of, I feel like it was a huge power dynamic that a lot of people really were able to figure out how to coerce and gaslit and manipulate the people who are naturally beautiful or the people who are naturally had personalities or naturally were leaders or whatever it was. It was no longer what God naturally put inside of you. It was what you were able to manipulate and control. And that's how you got your power in that church, period. Period. You literally said it all. And that's so true. Mm -hmm. And I know so many people who have gone to not just San Antonio church, but Houston church and other churches that have felt that way. So that's a hundred percent true. And I always thought that I was like, how come everyone that goes here, the people that they reach out to are not people who, you know, I would even be hanging out with otherwise outside mm-hmm. of the fact that they go to the church. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that goes into, they find those people because either you're vulnerable, you're in a vulnerable mm-hmm. state, or you're one of those people who is maybe more of an outcast that you'll be easier to pull in. And those right. are the people that get that little taste and they're like, oh yeah, like I can mm-hmm. really, as you said, get the power here and, mm-hmm. you know, feel myself because right. in the world, they never would, as you said, never. Never, never. And sometimes rightfully so. You know what I'm saying? Right? Like, yeah. Not trying to be rude, but there's some things that like- None of them were ambitious unless it was to become a leader. That was it. And that was good. That was good for their church because that's how they kept people in the pews. Mm-hmm. How would you, like there's no, and this is, I don't want to go too far to my nerdiness, but I'm just thinking about the sociology aspect of it. And people naturally want to be together. Like church is a business, right? Mm-hmm. Your, your church service is basically MLM. You have events, you get people really involved. They come in quick, they get involved quick, and then you convince them to stay. And then you make money off of whoever they bring in, right? We were recruiters. The campus ministry was a recruitment ministry. We recruited people. And guess what? You recruit people who are young, they're going to give you money. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You're going to get money from them. On top of that, if you have those older couples who have been in the church, I guarantee you they make money. And I guarantee you their contribution is very much so up there. So how do you get people to keep coming to your performance every Sunday? You convince them that there's nowhere else they can go for their salvation. And that's like one of those things where it's like, how do you convince somebody that their salvation is in your hands, basically? You initiate them from the beginning. Then people want to be involved. You're not allowed to go on dates. You're not allowed to go to certain services. You're not allowed to volunteer. You're not allowed 
allowed to do anything in that church until you're fully initiated. Who wants to be left out? But when you just sold them the dream of being a part of something, now the only thing I have to do is do what you say. And then I'll get to go to heaven and have a social group, period. Girl, you gave me yeah, chills. Money and contribution from them every Sunday. Well, you put yeah. that together with a bow and it makes so much sense because that's true. I, I had honestly forgotten that until you mentioned it. You're right. When you're just coming and studying the Bible, you can't be a part of anything until Nothing. you get initiated. That's yep. so true. Yep, that's it. Wow. And then you feel like you're part of something and then, yeah, but they'll take your money before of you become course. a <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Okay. So you said you guys dated for two years, got mm-hmm. married three months later. So how was being married in the church? Like, what was that like? Well, I was like one of the first people that weren't in leadership who got married. So I felt like there was a lot of classism, I guess. Mm. <laughs> sad to say but you know what I mean it's like you get to upgrade outside of campus and then you go straight to married because who wants to go to the singles ministry like where you go it was to like campus. doomsday yes girl <laughs> if you didn't marry out of campus ministry then like you had to go to singles and the fact that the chance of a woman a black woman getting married in singles ministry slim mm. to none okay point. yeah so it was like first off I felt very suffocated I'm a very I'm a Gemini like we talked about right we don't like to be confined don't yep. tell me what to do and don't oh, tell me what yes. to let me do my own thing. I already beat myself up enough. And trust me, I've already thought about it. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. So my way out was getting married. And that was one of the easy ways out. You know, like you get to grade a little bit. You go into the marriage ministry. You get to have sex. You get to have kids. It's an up and up at that point. Well, I took um, the hard way. Okay. Yeah. I mean, honestly, good for you. <laughs> I was basically <laughs> shunned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely not good. But you know what I'm saying? It's like... Right. At least you're able to get out, which is sad. You know, like we and you understand what that's like. But like, I feel like people who are listening are probably like, girl, what? They don't like, get it. You're able to get out. Like either they kicked you out or you left. Like that was pretty much it. For me, I literally, so my way, because I wanted to break up with him and mm-hmm. then he convinced me. And for some reason, I mean, you get it. Like, I just felt like I couldn't break up with him. Like I right. didn't stay with him. So my mm-hmm. way out was cheating on him, which is terrible. But mm-hmm. I was like, he's not going to want me now kind of thing. Girl, listen, you got to do what you got to do when you're crap. <laughs> like, listen. Yeah. So that's what I did. I kid you not. He mm-hmm. lost it. He was like calling everyone. Well, to his defense, I didn't tell him exactly what happened right away. So mm-hmm. my plan wasn't well thought out or anything. It kind of just mm-hmm. happened. But mm-hmm. basically, I was hanging out with a coworker. He kissed me. And at first, I was like so mad. Like, what are you doing? But then I was mm-hmm. like, hmm, he's on to something. This could <laughs> actually be something good for me in that moment. Mm-hmm. But then after, I was like, wow, like, I don't really want to tell him what I did because I know the mm-hmm. whole church will know if I tell him, like the whole mm-hmm. ministry. So I didn't tell him right away, but I broke up with him. And mm-hmm. he was like, no. Oh, you're not breaking up with me. I was like, what? Yeah, that's control right there. Right. So I was trying to break up with him and I did. And so he was like, called my best friend. He called my ministry leader and was like, someone needs to talk to her, Victoria. Something's wrong with her. And like, wow. he kept calling her. You know, I had you just can't her. not want to be with him. You know what I'm right. saying? Something has to be wrong with you. Exactly. So I was like, you know, I even asked him after that. I was like, okay, well, I just need time and then we can talk about this later, but just give me some time. Like, mm-hmm. I just have some things I need to process. And like, he couldn't even do that. And he made this whole oh, big Lord. deal. So like, the leader had to meet with me. So I had to do my mm-hmm. whole confession about what I did and wow. she like, let me bring a friend but she I have never been more judged in my life like it was mm-hmm. crazy the way mm-hmm. that she judged me mm-hmm. a supposedly godly woman yeah so hard she was like oh what'd you like about that guy he told you you had nice ass and nice all the cheeks all the cheeks man that's all she wanted she Basically. wanted the gossip that was it I know and then of course when you're judging me I'm gonna 
shut down. And then right. she was getting on me about telling half truths. Like it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. And she was basically like, you have to surrender and wave your white flag or you're going to have to leave basically. So wow. I was kind of like how to make a decision. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, you can't make a mistake. They, they don't care about why you did it. They have no remorse. It's like when you're in those situations, it's like, honestly, that was your way out, you know? Was, and for, yeah. them, for them, it's like, wow, like this is like the perfect place ever. Like, why would you ever want to leave? And it's like, why would I want to leave? That's the question. Right. If this is the perfect place ever, why am I denying myself of perfection? Maybe because it's not perfect. Maybe because something's wrong. Maybe because I'm not happy. Exactly. Think about that. Maybe I don't like you like that no more. Can I, I can't break up with you. Then you're going to call people who you know can do something about it. Mm-hmm. You know yep. what I'm saying? Like you call someone that you know that can do something about you breaking up with him. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. wow, it's like, wow, like this is very manipulative. But to them, it's no, it's the church. It's the culture. It's your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's like, no, you're telling me what to do as a woman. Exactly. Yeah. And he used the pity card to his defense. Like I remember mm-hmm. when he was starting to date again, he would tell people about how his ex cheated on him. I had to talk to him. Like, mm-hmm. you don't, like, I guess if you maybe if you're marrying her, but you don't need to tell every woman that. Like, you yep. don't, that's not just about you. Like, I get it hurt mm-hmm. you, but come on. Like, yeah. Don't use the pity card. Like, that's not even cute. Well, his ego, it was his ego, girl. His true. ego needed to be inflated because he knew he was nobody else other than that. And it made him look better. That is true. Listen. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Dating in that church, I feel like that's the gasoline to the fire. Because think, like I said, the fuel to them is making women feel the least possible love for themselves. Because if they get women to not love themselves, one, they're not going to leave. And there's always going to be somebody for a man to marry, period. When they're not going to leave because they don't love themselves. And there's always someone for a man to use. Perfect combination for manipulation and control, especially in the patriarchy with white man's westernized church, i.e. ICOC. Wow. So that is just the tip of the iceberg of my story. So we did record a long episode, so I decided to split it in two. And as I said, that is really just the tip of the iceberg of her story. She has so much insight and there's so much that we can learn and really take from her story. Even if you haven't been in an experience like that, there's just a lot of insight that she gave that I feel like we all have either felt that way at some point or we can just learn something from it or take something from it. As I mentioned, there is a part two, which is already up. So you can immediately go listen to that and get Maya's full story. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. If you really loved the episode and you felt like it resonated with you, be sure to share the love and share the episode with a friend. Also, if you could take a minute and head to the review section wherever you listen to your podcast and leave me a review, letting me know what you're loving about these episodes and which topics you want to hear next. That way, I can make sure that I continue creating episodes that you love. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. Until next week, bye, Grown Girl Gang.